Welcome and thank you for tuning into this week's life-changing message from the Equipping Church. We pray you are empowered and encouraged by the Word of God. The word I have for this year is that it's 2023. Repent, refresh, restore. I don't believe that you're here by accident this morning. I believe you've stepped into what the Bible describes as and what the, the Hebrews described as a Moed time. A Moed time was a time where seasons collide. And some of you are coming into that this morning. Where a former season and a new season are colliding to take you into a fresh thing that you've never known before. And I want to prophesy to you this morning that you're coming into times of refreshing that Acts chapter 3 describes. Hallelujah. You can leave that background music on this morning. I'm going to invite the lights to come up. I'm going to invite you to take your seats this morning. Kim, you were supposed to come up when I gave that prophetic word that you don't quite have all the steps figured out because you are in transition. I don't know anything that's going on in your life right now. We haven't talked. But you're in transition. And the trepidation you feel about the new season. The Lord says, I'm answering the cries of your heart by fire. But it's not a fire of purification this time. You've gone through that. This is a fire to set nations ablaze. You're coming into something new, Kim. You're coming into an anointing for signs and wonders. You're coming into a dunamis, a power that you've never known before. Hallelujah. Times of refreshing. Y'all know me, I don't normally preach with music behind me, but I, I just, I, there's a move of God in the room this morning, and I just sense that as I preach this word this morning, it's less preaching and more prophesying. Acts 3.19, I'm going to read it out of three different versions this morning, maybe even four. But I want to emphasize to you, this is our verse for the year, Acts 3.19. In the King James it says this, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The Living Bible says it this way. Now change your mind and attitude to God and turn to Him so He can cleanse away your sins and send you wonderful times of refreshment from the presence of the Lord. The Amplified Classic says it this way. So repent. Change your mind and purpose. Turn around. Return to God so that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. That times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air, may come from the presence of the Lord. 
The New American says it this way, Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I delivered the condensed version of this prophetic message last Sunday over video and at our Holy Ghost camp. About 15 minutes. This morning, it is my, my belief that God wanted me to expound upon this and preach some principles attached to this prophetic word because I believe if we want revival, which is what we've said, we've even had it put on t-shirts. Hector, hold up that t-shirt. These t-shirts, which are for sale, and I'm not trying to advertise them. I, I, I'm really not. It is our prophetic declaration this year that revival is our portion, but it's going to take some grit. It's going to take some grit. Hector, they're telling you to walk in front of the camera. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. That word steadfast in the Greek is actually where we get the word grit. So my, my word for myself this year is get gritty. Get gritty. Be steadfast. Because I'm telling you that I believe more than ever before in my spirit. It has settled down in my spirit more than I can. In eight years of being in this town, in eight years of being in this region, and I'm not just saying it's here, but I'm telling you in this region, revival is our portion in 2023. That these times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. And listen, revival always starts with repentance. It always, we can go throughout history and find that revival always started with repentance. This scripture in Acts 3, it follows the discourse of Peter preaching to the Jews and he says to them in his discourse there he says you're the ones who did not perceive the Messiah therefore you chose a murderer and had him crucified so then he says repent I want to say to you this morning the reason many of us have missed revival and we've missed the outpouring of the Spirit and we've missed our destiny and we've missed our purpose is we did not perceive what God was doing in the season that we were in we did not perceive. And so, so Peter says to them, he says, repent. Be converted. That, that word repent there, metanoia, it's an about face. The Amplified says it. Turn around. Change direction. The direction you've been headed isn't working any longer. Amen. One of the things the Lord said to me in my quiet time just a couple days ago is he said, those who have been in dead churches, they need to get out. You can't stay in a dead place. I, I think too many of us, and, and I've been guilty of this in past seasons, is I think, well, if I go from conference to conference, and if I go from place to place, I'll get enough anointing in my life to change the church I'm in. It doesn't work if the leadership doesn't want it. I've watched it play out way too many times. People will shout they want revival, but what they don't want is the cost associated with revival, which is repentance. Repent. Change your mind. It says change your purpose. 
Metanoia, it means a changing of one's heart and mind. It means a pricking of the heart. We don't want that. Can we be honest? I don't want it. I don't want God to expose things in my heart because that means I have to deal with it. You know, they say ignorance is bliss, and sure it is. It feels real blissful until our ignorance begins to take a toll on our life. And so repentance, let God begin to prick your heart. I believe this is a season more than ever before. You need to be connected to church. I'm watching people get plucked off by the enemy left and right because they're not connected to the body. We cannot afford it in this hour. Do you hear me? We cannot afford it. Metanoia. It means the pain of sorrow or regret for having offended God. It's the sting of conscience proceeding from a conviction of having violated our duty. What is our duty as believers? To preach the gospel in season and out of season. To win the lost and make disciples. We say it around here all the time. Our, our mandate is to win the lost and equip the saved. But that's not just my job. That's your job. One of the things we need to repent of is not being missional in our mindset. We have a responsibility to preach the gospel to those whose feet are being burned by the flames of hell and are one second away, one breath away from being totally consumed by the flames of hell for all of eternity. Hell is a real place, church. There are some preachers out there that want to preach and say that hell is not real. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it is our duty to rescue people from the flames of hell. It says repent. And then it says be converted. That word converted means to twist around. To turn again. To reverse a revolution. The greatest revolution of the human heart is, is salvation. The greatest revolution in human history was when Jesus came and died on the cross. It says, so that your sins may be blotted out, obliterated. I want to prophesy to some of you that when you've repented and you've been converted, they are blotted out, obliterated, done with. You don't have to live there anymore. Some of you aren't even in the sin that you were once in, but you're still carrying the shame of it. And I want to tell you this morning, walk away from the shame of the past. It's obliterated. It says he cast it as far as the east is from the west. The east never touches the west. No matter how far east you go, you will not find west. Then it says, so that times, that word times there is the word kairos. This is what it means. A large portion of opportune time. Do you understand that when we repent, we are converted, we've turned around, we've changed direction, we've changed our heart and mind, that then it is a large opportune time. It opens up a window in the realm of the Spirit for times, kairos times, of refreshing. This is what refreshing means. 
It's a Greek word, anapsixis. It means this, to be refreshed from the heat. How many of you, 2022 was a time of heat? You felt like you were in the fire. It was, it was an intense season. It was, I, 2022, listen, 2019 I thought was hard. 2020, that was a little bit harder. 21, I really thought I was going to die a couple times. And then 2022 came. And I was like, I ain't seen nothing until I saw 2022. And it wasn't even necessarily outward circumstances. It was the inner stuff that God was dealing with in 2022. It was the attitudes of the heart. It was the, the things that we don't want to face. It was things that I didn't know were still in there. My friend Pastor Willie says that we are not onions. We are cabbage. The layers are massive and hard to distinguish. And 2022 was cabbage for me. Layer by layer by layer. And just when I thought we were done, he sliced a little more and diced a little more and said, oh, here's another layer. And it was hot and it was difficult. But this is what it says. A cooling, refreshing recovery of breath. In 2020, there was a plague that hit the earth by, de by design of the enemy to cover the mouth of the church and to steal the breath. But I want to prophesy to you this morning that 2023 is a season of recovery of the breath for the church and the church will begin to release a sound that has not been heard for three years. Recovery of breath. It means this, times of refreshing. Anapsixis. It means to take that which was covered up and to uncover it. I'm telling you, this year the mouth of the church will be uncovered like never before. And there will be a genuine prophetic sound that will arise from the church of the living God that will begin to shift seasons, will begin to shift regions, will begin to shift lives because we're coming out and we're coming out stronger. I, I want to tell you, the enemy thought... <laughs> The enemy thought that he could hide the church away. But what I found in Scripture is any time a man or woman of God gets hidden away in the secret place where they're pushed back into a cave... It was in the cave of Adalam that David raised up the mighty men. It was in the cave that Elijah was brought to the edge to hear the voice of God, to get a new assignment. I want to prophesy to some of you this morning. You've been in a cave season, but you're coming out with an assignment, and you're coming out with some mighty men, and you're about to take some territory and get a fresh anointing, and to get a kingly anointing, and to begin to decree the word of the Lord over your life, and come out of the past, come out of the former things I haven't even gotten through the definitions oh I want to look at another passage this morning it was amazing to me when the Lord began to speak this this verse to me in Joel 2:19 I already had my notes for it and a, a man in town sent me a text inviting me to a 
2023 New Year's celebration. Well, we were already doing our own out at Messiah's Ranch. But the text that was on the invitation was this verse. Joel 2, 19. Yes, the Lord will answer. I'm going to send grain, new wine, and oil to you. You will be satisfied. Who's ready to be satisfied this year? I will send to you grain. I will send to you wine. And I will send to you oil. I want to tell you, these are the signs of refreshing this year. Grain. Grain represents the Word of God. 1 Peter 2.2 2 says, Long for the pure milk. Milk. Wow, that's a fun way to say that word this morning. Don't know where that came from. Milk of the Word. I want to say to you, this is a year. This is a year where you need to know this book backwards and forwards. And this book needs to know you. It's not enough to let yourself read it. You need this to read you. You want to be transformed? Get the Word in you. You want to overcome some things? Get the Word in you. You know, a lot has been said about the Word of Faith movement, but something the Word of Faith taught me was how to work the Word. Because the Word works if you work the Word. When I got the Word in me, I began to face situations that, you know, there, there's been all sorts of things and abuses of the Word of Faith movement, but in its purest form, when Dad Hagen taught it, he taught it this way. He said, if you get the Word in you, there's not a situation you'll face that you don't have a Word for. You don't need another prophetic Word when you've got the Word on the inside of you. Amen. You know, if you know me, I love the prophetic. It's one of our pillars in this house. But more than that, I love the pure and un unadulterated Word of God. Because it needs no interpretation. He says what He means and He means what He says. And when we've got the Word in us, so I want to challenge you, long for it. Desire it. Pursue it. You know, the proof of desire is pursuit. Don't tell me you desire something if you're not pursuing it. We will know that we are in a season of refreshing when we begin to pursue God's Word. We will know that we are being refreshed when we have a new desire to read, digest, and consume His Word. Listen, I know some of you, you've experienced Him around the altar. You've had mighty encounters with God. But I'm issuing in a challenge to this house. Know the Word. Know the Word. I've met people who can quote prophets and some so-called prophets more than they can quote the Scripture. They're more amazed by purple-haired people who say they go to heaven every day than they are with this. I don't need Ferris wheels in heaven to entertain me. I've got the Word of God. If you start to read about what angels are and what seraphim are, you'll be amazed all day. Angels aren't flowing, blonde-haired women who play harps. They've got eyes that would scare you to death. Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, when he was caught up into the throne room, he said, I'm a man undone. It's a fearful thing to come into the presence of a holy God. Long for the Word. Mark 4.19 says this, And the cares of this world, 
and the deceitfulness of riches and the lust of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The word there, I love this. I, listen, I, I, I'm a word nerd, okay? If you haven't figured that out, I'm a word nerd. That's why I taught English. But the word there for word is logos. And it was first used around 600 B.C. by a guy named Heraclitus. And this is what he defined it as. A word which designates the divine reason that changes the entirety of the universe. Changes the entirety of the universe. When the word was made flesh, it changed all of human history. The Logos, the enemy, seeks to choke the breath out of your Logos. But if we repent, He will revive His Word in us. When we've got the Word on the inside of us, that's what the enemy seeks to choke out. Can I say something that, that might just challenge some things? The Lord doesn't care about your prophetic words. The enemy doesn't care about your prophetic words. Because Isaiah wrote, there will come a day where prophecy will cease to exist. But the Word will remain. The Word made flesh will remain. And so I want to say to you, your prophetic words are important. And I believe we need to fulfill them. I do. I believe they're important. I believe we all have prophetic words we're carrying on the inside of us. But greater than that is the Logos. Because that's what the enemy seeks to choke out. That's what the enemy seeks to steal breath from. But I want to say to you, 2023 is a year that the Lord is restoring breath to the church, to the Logos on the inside of us, that the Word will begin to work on the inside of us. And I won't need a prophetic word to sustain me because I'll have the living Word. I declare that He will refresh this house's desire for the meat of God's Word. The second thing that Joel says, after he says grain, is he says, I will send new wine. A sure sign of us being refreshed will be significant operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. When the gifts begin to operate in their fullness as the norm, Rather than the exception, we will have a clear indication that refreshing has come. We need to begin to seek the Holy Spirit and allow Him to operate in our midst. In everything we do, from small groups to prayer meeting to Sunday services to your daily life, you need the move of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the new wine. And I'm not just talking about, listen, I love renewal meetings. I, I was birthed in the charismatic Pentecostal movement. You know this house if you've been here for a while. We love those things. But I'm not just talking about rolling on the floor and laughing. I'm talking about a wine that brings power. Some of you used to live in the world. You thought you were unstoppable after a few drinks. You were Superman. Some of you are about to have a few drinks of the Holy Ghost and begin to recognize the enemy ain't got nothing on you.
The Lord killed alcohol in me early, and I'm so thankful that He did. But I had a friend, and I'm going to tell this story. He was about five foot one, weighed about 90 pounds, soaking wet. And I'll never forget this. I often was a designated driver. I was the good Pentecostal boy in high school who would drive all my drunk friends around. And I had this friend. I'm not, he was about five one, 90 pounds, soaking wet. And when he got alcohol in him, he would pick the biggest guy in the room and challenge him to a fight. And can I tell you, he won a couple times. Because he was small, he could make it around their feet quicker than they could move. But I, I want to prophesy to some of you this morning. Some of you are about to get the new wine and begin to realize that the enemy has nothing on you. And you're about to have a holy boldness to begin to operate in a way of faith that you've never known before. My friend Joanna Coe, she said it well. She says, the enemy has bullied some of you too long. He's bullied some of you too long. It's time to get rid of the bully. New wine. The next thing he says is oil. I started the service with that this morning. If you are refreshed, you will exhibit power. We will begin to have power to withstand attacks. Some of you are going to have power over your tongue this year. Some of you are going to have power over your thoughts this year. Listen, I don't care if you fall over down here. I want to know what happens when you get up. One of my heroes in the faith went to be with the Lord yesterday. Bobby Jean Merck, 87 years old. Great intercessor. Taught on intercession like nobody's business. We were actually planning to, to have her in. And she sent a sweet note saying, I can't travel anymore. And then off to be with the Lord. But I, I remember one time, and, and listen, she was from Georgia, and she wore the finest of clothing. That was just who she was. She would preach in a fur coat. She was eccentric like that. But she would walk down the line praying for people, and she would say, don't you dare give me a courtesy fall. If you're going to fall down, you better get up with something, honey. I want to say that to you this morning. If you're going to begin to fall, you better make sure that's the Holy Ghost and get up with power. Get up with transformation. Let something happen. And if you do give a courtesy fall, repent on the way down and ask God to do something while you're on the ground. I'd rather have someone stalwart and immovable in a prayer line and get something than someone fall over just to make my ego feel better. I don't need you to fall over to, 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 to make me feel better. Oil. I declare this will be a house of oil. This will be a house of power. Power to war, power to fight, power to defend, power to expand, power to expel, power to bind, and power to loose. One of the things the Lord began to speak to me this year is that we will see the enemy rebuked on a whole nother level. I think so many of us have been buffeted for far too long. And I really feel that John 10.10 10 is one of our words this year. The enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and that more abundantly. When we are refreshed, we will see the hand of the devourer rebuked. We will stand and He will flee. Areas of bondage will be broken. 
addictions will be destroyed. Chains will be severed. Habits will be defeated. Those bound will find freedom. If you're still bound this morning, you need to be refreshed. It's not enough just to be repentive. Our word this year is repent, refresh, restore. We're about to get to restoration in just a minute. The next thing is that we will begin to produce fruit in a whole new way. I had a dream the week of camp. It was probably the Thursday night before camp. And in the dream, I was a caretaker of a nursery. Now, I don't have a green thumb if I tried. I kill plants like it's a spiritual gift. And I'm in this nursery... And there's this older gentleman who looked like Colonel Sanders. That's the best way I can describe him. Walking alongside of me. And he says, okay, get out your shears. This plant you need to do this way. And water it this way. And then he walks me over to another plant. He says, now this one, you need to take a little bit of that plant food over there and feed it this way. And this one you need to do this. And we got to the very end of this long row. And there was a fig tree. But it was barren. There were no leaves on it. There was nothing on it. And I turned to Colonel Sanders and I said, is this the one he cursed? And he goes, no, 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 no. We keep that one in the back. I said, then what is this one? He says, that's the church. And I said, what? I can't handle that. I don't. And he said, take this. And he hands me this watering pail. He says, water it. I said, okay, so I water it. He says, water it some more. Water it. He said, water it some more. I said, I, I'm going to overwater it. He says, you know nothing about plants. Water it. So I'm watering it. And I'm watering it. And I'm thinking, this jug's going to run out of water. But there was this endless supply of water. And then he turned to me and he said, this year, the fig tree will bud again. I believe the church is about to bud in a whole new way. And we're going to bear fruit like we've never born before. Dead areas will be revived and fruit will appear. Let me say this. If we don't see love, joy, peace, self-control, meekness, then we haven't been refreshed. I've said it many times. I don't care how great a gift is. Is there fruit? It used to be that the prophets went around mean-mugging every people and had wild, crazy eyebrows that needed to be trimmed and, and thought that was a spiritual gift. How crazy they could be and how mean they could be before a service. I'm not interested in that. One of the guys that I mentor, he goes, what do you think of this one? I said, great teaching, horrible character. Listen, I can actually endure someone who just bumbles around with their words if they're genuine. And have real fruit around their life. That's what we need more than ever before. We need real spiritual fruit. But we also need fruit out there. We will know we've been refreshed when we see the person once filled with anger and hate, now filled with love. When we see the woman who was depressed, now filled with joy unspeakable. When we see the teenager that was out of control, now exhibit self-control. When we see the impatient, 
controlled by patience. I don't pray for it anymore. I just ask God to work it out in me. Many times I've prayed for patience and he's like, okay, I like scenarios like that. So if we're refreshed, that's wonderful. God sends refreshing. God give us grain, new wine, oil, fruit, and freedom over our enemy. But let me say there, we can't stop there. God wants us to repent. He desires to refresh us. However, that's not His ultimate level for us. His ultimate level for us is restoration. This book is a book about restoration. Every story in it is about restoration. Jesus came to restore us to a glory that Adam and Eve once walked in, that we would walk in unbridled relationship with the Father in the cool of the day. That we would know what it is to have unadulterated presence around our life. We can't stop it being refreshed. Even though being refreshed feels good, this is more than goosebumps and feelings. God's goal, and I believe 2023 is going to be this year, is to move us into restoration. If we, if we repent, He will refresh us. But if we don't settle in the land of revival and press forward, we will not be restored. We've got to press forward into restoration. So what is He restoring this year? The first thing He's restoring is your harvest. Joel 2.23 be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For He gives you the former, or early rain, in just measure, and in righteousness. And He causes to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain as before. Amos 9.13 This is a word for your family back there. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the plowman shall overtake the reaper. And the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. And the mountains shall drop sweet wine. And the hills shall melt. That is everything heretofore barren and unfruitful shall overflow with spiritual blessing. He will send the planting rains and the harvesting rains in the same month. In the natural, that doesn't happen. I, I need the planting rains when it's time to plant the seed, but then I need some time for it to be a little dry so that it then, when it's time to harvest, the harvesting rains come. But here's what He's going to do this year that is so supernatural is both rains at the same time, both rains, that as one is planting, another one's coming behind Him and picking up the harvest. Some of you sowed seeds years ago that are about to be fruitful and multiply, but I want to tell you, don't stop sowing. Amen. It's a season to sow and to reap. Reapers will begin to overtake harvesters. He will restore the harvest. Sowers will begin looking over their shoulders suddenly to find harvesters right on their heels. I... I Listen, I dream a lot, y'all. And so even last night, I got into bed. It was about 12.45. I'd been up praying. And I got into bed, and immediately when I fell asleep, I had a dream about Hector. And if y'all know, I don't like to run. I told you, my gym canceled my membership. But I'm running on this track. And as I'm running... I looked down at my shirt and it said Johnny Appleseed. 
and I'm dropping seeds as I'm running. And Hector comes running up beside me. He says, hola! <laughs> and in it, he has this big basket that he's running with, and he has it full of apples. And I realized that as I'm running and I'm dropping these seeds, immediately they're turning into apples and Hector's picking them up. That as fast as I could drop the seeds, they were immediately harvesting apples. Not even trees. The seeds were just turning into apples. I don't know why there weren't trees there. But then as we made a lap, I realized not only was he picking up the apples, but the seeds had turned into trees. And as we were making a lap, we were now running through an orchard. And he had to pick up the apples on the ground, and he had to pick up the apples from the tree all at the same time. And then Shelly shows up. And Shelly's driving this, this old farm tractor. And I thought, this doesn't fit. I don't think I could ever see Shelly on a tractor. And it's an old red tractor. And it's got this big, huge uh, trailer behind it with all these baskets in it. And she says, Hector, I've got your baskets. Are you ready? And she jumps into the back and she starts tossing baskets to Hector. And Hector's running and he's catching the baskets. And he's tossing baskets full of apples back to Shelly. And I woke up this morning and I said, Lord, what, is that, what does that mean? And he says, it's pretty self-explanatory. The two people who handle the finances and talk about the finances in the church. I want you to know, Jacob, that TEC has crossed a threshold in that the plowman is overtaking the reaper. And I want to prophesy over this house that this has to do not just with the church finances, but the finances of your houses that I believe this year, the Lord says he's taking us into harvest time. But it also has to do with our families. That part of the harvest is souls. What we have prayed for for years will suddenly happen. What used to take months of work and sowing will now happen suddenly. Souls lost to the enemy will be restored. The Lord began to speak to me the last week of the year. And he said, you're going to see in 2023, those who left you come back to you. Lost husbands, sons, daughters, friends will be restored to the kingdom. Our harvest is coming. Our harvest will be restored because revival is never just about us. It's about preparing us to get to them. It's time, church. The next thing that will be restored is lost dreams, time, and even trivial things. Joel 2.25 and I will restore or replace for you the years that the locust has eaten, the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the crawling locust, my great army which I sent among you. Habakkuk 3.2, O Lord, I've heard the report of you and was afraid, O Lord. Revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make yourself known. I want you to notice the order of the listing of the locust. It says the hopping locust, the stripping locust, and the crawling locust. That is in the order from most severe to the least severe. 
The hopping locust was the worst. You would say, well, I would think the stripping locust. No, the hopping locust actually caused the most damage. Then the stripping locust, and then the crawling locust. In that, the Lord is saying, I'm not only going to restore just the big things, but even the small things. God wants to restore even the smallest things that have been lost, those things that you've given up on, those things that others have told you don't matter. You may feel like it's insignificant, but hold on. God will restore those things. In the middle of the years of lost time, lost dreams, and lost purpose, all will be restored. Missed opportunities will be reclaimed. Lost territory will be retaken. Don't mourn over the past glory. The Word declares the latter days will be greater. Quit pining over what used to be and what could have been and claim the dream and destiny He has for you now. You cannot drive constantly looking in the rear view mirror. You've got to let it go. The dream, I, I heard this so clearly. The dream is not dead and the destiny is not forfeited. The next thing He'll restore is your soul. Psalm 23.3 He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Some of you are tired in your spirit. You've fought so long. You've held on so long. You have served so long. And now you're tired. But God will restore your soul. On the backside of the desert, He will reach you and restore you. Your joy is the next thing He's going to restore. Psalm 51, 12. <clears throat> restore to me again the joy of your salvation. Joy doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but let me say this to you, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Our strength is not found in our dance. Our strength is not found in our shout. Our strength is found in our joy. And this year, He is restoring joy. Some of us are weak because we've lost our joy. One of the things I love, if you know Barbara Christensen, we were sitting at the hospital with her the day she broke her ankle. And they came to pick, I don't know if you've gotten there, Dina, yet. When they came to pick her up to take her back to the x-ray, she goes, well, I'll be your siren. And as they're wheeling her back, she's going, Woo, 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 through the ER. And she said to me, though, that day, she goes, you know what happened when I came to this church? I got my joy back. I tell her all the time, used to be Eeyore. And we've prayed for a Tigger anointing, and she got it without measure. While we're on that topic, pray for Barbara. She's got surgery on Tuesday, and she really wants to be able to stay in Texas, and we need those doors to open so she doesn't have to go back to the icy tundra of Iowa. But joy. I watched a video, and that's why I wrote this down. No more walking around like the mule who tried to suck the golf ball out of the gopher hole. 
I was going to have the video up. There was a mule trying to suck a golf ball out of a gopher hole. The most ridiculous face. But I think some people in the church, I know growing up Pentecostal, it was like sour candy was the, was the word of the hour. Just walked around so their lips pursed and like, are you saved? Do you know what joy is? I'm saved and sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Prove it to your face. <laughs> the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let Him restore your joy. Now you know me. Well, some of you do. Some of you don't. You're like, who is this guy? One of the things the Lord spoke to me this, about this year is He's restoring your goods. And I say it all the time. I am not a prosperity preacher in the slightest sense. I think more people need to sacrifice more than worry about getting more. But the Lord began to speak to me about restoring goods. Jesus talked about finances more than any other subject. I was challenged to look it up. 16 of the 38 parables were about how to handle money and possessions. So what we need to recognize with the prosperity gospel, they don't teach a lot about stewardship. They just teach a lot about getting. Well, just sow your seed into my ministry and buy me a new jet, and then you'll be blessed. That never works. Because it's about stewardship. In the gospels, one out of ten verses deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. But you know what? I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord that provides. This year He will provide and He will restore your goods. The next is your comfort. Isaiah 57, 18. I will lead him and restore comfort to him. Now, having your comfort restored does not mean you'll get comfortable. Can I tell you that? It was not comfortable for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego to walk around in fire. But there was comfort in the midst of the fire, the fourth man in the fire. You will be in situations that are uncomfortable. But the comfort he talks about is a comfort that comes on the inside that knows I'm right in the middle of the will of God. And he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Your comfort. He's going to restore the manifestation of His Spirit through every generation. Joel 2, 28 and 29. <clears throat> and afterward, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even upon the men servants and upon the maidservants in those days, I will pour out my Spirit. It's time for our children to begin to prophesy. It's time. I love it when, when our three-year-old Evie, if you know Evie, she's a spitfire, prayed for me a while back. Lord, take the headache out of his bald head. I said, prophesy to the hair, Evie. Prophesy. Call it back. But many times at night, when we, when we pray together, she pro most times she prophesies over Shelly. If you haven't learned it, Shelly's her favorite person in the world. And she'll prophesy over Miss Shelly. Jesus, 
She says it just like that. Miss Shelley shall live and not die. She will be old and healthy. Amen. Let it be the word of the Lord. Your young men and women shall prophesy. There are family members that are going to begin to prophesy this year. Your old men will dream dreams. And not pizza dreams either. Dreams from the Lord. We're stepping into a time and a season. Number one, we need the word of the Lord on the inside of us. We need this word. You know that in China, if they can get just a page of the Bible, they memorize the whole thing and live off of it. And yet we can go to the store and buy this in 72 different versions and people have trouble even cracking it open. Come on, somebody. We need this in us. Because I do believe there's coming a day of persecution in this nation where you won't be able to go to Walmart and buy a Bible. This isn't fear-mongering. This is getting prepared. And I don't care where you fit on the eschatological scale of when he's coming back. Listen, I, I, I hope for the best and I plan for the worst. I'm a pan-tribber, however it pans out. I'm not going to try and, 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 and tell you for sure where in the seven years he's showing up. All I know is he's showing up and it's a big victory party when he does. But what I want to tell you is if he decides to wait till the end of the seven years, you better be ready. You better have the word in you. You better start having supernatural provision now. Because if you can't buy or sell, what are you going to do? I mean, some of us need to fast, but you can only fast for so long. I know churches are trying to program out the move of the Spirit. I know we're told that we need to be seeker sensitive. I am seeker sensitive. I'm sensitive to those who are seeking after the move of God. I will not make apologies for the move of God. I will never promise you that I will have you out in 53 minutes. I can guarantee you it will never be 53 minutes. I can guarantee you. Maybe on a Christmas Eve service. Maybe. But I believe that God wants to restore the manifestation of His Spirit and gifts. I believe He wants to restore our Pentecostal distinctive and I'm not talking about a denomination. When I use the word Pentecostal, I'm talking about an Acts 2 church that has encountered the power of God and is Pentecostal orientated because they move in the power of God, not because they can flap their gums. Speaking in tongues does not make you Pentecostal. Power makes you Pentecostal. He didn't say to the disciples, you'll receive glossolalia. You'll speak in tongues. He said, you shall receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now I believe one of the initial evidences of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. And we are unashamed in that. I speak in tongues to go to Walmart. But what I'm saying is I think we need in this hour more than ever before a people who not only speak in tongues but walk in the power therein. I believe that He will restore our Pentecostal distinctive and Pentecostal power. He will restore vision and dreams. So our three words as I get ready to wrap up this morning. 
Some of us need to go through old-fashioned repentance where we rend our heart and not our garment, where we come face to face with our condition and turn it all over to God. Repent. Some of us need to do that. Some of us need to get real about the condition of our heart. Some of us have grown bitter towards church. Some of us have grown bitter towards the things of God because of disappointments, because of things. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Some of us thought we'd be fulfilling certain things in our life by this point. Well, listen, it's a new beginning. Every day is an opportunity for a new beginning. His mercies are new every morning. So if you need to repent, repent. Some of us need to be refreshed. We need a new desire for His Word. We need power. We need the Holy Ghost to slap us a few times with power. We need the enemy turned back. We need some fruit. Some of you are in a rut. You're tired and worn out, and it's time to allow God to refresh and revive you. You know where the enemy really loves to tempt us? Is to get us to pull back from God when we need Him the most. To convince us, if you get close to God, you'll just lose everything. Yeah, you'll lose all your worry. You'll lose all your stress. You'll lose all your anxiety. You'll lose all your... You will lose it all. And you need to. And then we all need to be restored. Individually and as a body, we need God to restore the harvest, the dreams, our soul, our joy, our health our comfort, and the move of the Spirit. And that's what I believe is going to happen this morning. Some of you might need to repent. Some of you need refreshing. And some of you, you're saying, I've repented, I've felt refreshed, but I need restoration. We pray that your life was impacted today by the presence of God. For more information about the Equipping Church or to give online, please visit www.equippingchurch.us.